Welcome to Life Study of the Bible, brought to you by Living Stream Ministry. In 1924, Witness Lee was dynamically saved by the Lord as a young man in his native China, and he promptly consecrated the rest of his life to the gospel. He co-labored with Watchman Nee for parts of the next three decades, and in 1962, Witness Lee was led by the Lord to come to the United States. During his 35 years of service to the Lord in America, he ministered in weekly meetings and weekend conferences, delivering thousands of spoken messages. Much of his speaking has since been published as more than 400 titles, many of which have been translated into numerous foreign languages. He gave his last public conference in February 1997 at the age of 91. We're happy today to be able to bring you recorded excerpts from his speaking and encourage you to contact us if you have any further questions or comments. Please send email to radio at lsm.org. Now, let's join today's program. Throughout history, whenever God has desired to move on earth to carry out His purpose, He has always required the cooperation of man. Perhaps the situation is so degraded that He can only find a handful, or maybe even only one person who will cooperate fully with Him. But even one person, sufficiently one with God and willing to cooperate with Him, can provide Him a way to move on earth, to carry out His eternal purpose, and even to change the age. Samuel was such a person, one with God, and one who cooperated with Him fully, enabling Him to change the age in that time. But even the origin of Samuel demonstrates God's desire I would say even his need to work in and through man to carry out his move. We'll consider the origin of Samuel on today's program. And we're very glad that Ed Marks is back to join us for fellowship on this third program in the life study of Samuel. Good to have you back, Ed. Chris, it's a great privilege to be back, especially for First and Second Samuel, our special books. I even named my first son Samuel after, <laughs> after Samuel. But to realize what a special person he was, in the history of God's move in man is remarkable. And Chris, I think throughout these programs, we'll see that God's desire is to gain overcomers. Uh He wants all of us believers to be overcomers so that we can become his bride to bring him back. And Samuel is a real pattern of an overcomer, which I think will be a great help to us to be fully consecrated to God and allow Christ to live himself through us so that he can gain his desire. Ed, as we look at this pattern that you've described, we'll see many facets that underscore that point. But it's an interesting um, matter to consider, more than interesting. It's deep in meaning, very rich point, that in God's move on the earth, he always not just would like to have, but he requires man's cooperation with him. In a sense, the almighty, unlimited God has limited himself in this kind of way. Give us a, you know, just a quick comment about this point before we get into our life study today. Yes, this is a good point. You know, God has his desire. He has his will. He wants to accomplish his eternal purpose. To do this, he needs man's cooperation. He wants to operate, but he needs man to cooperate with him to allow him to have a free way in their being. And throughout church history, even up to the present age, 
no matter how dark and degraded the situation is, God has always gained a group of people, some people, somewhere, who want to be fully given him and cooperate with him. And we will see in this program that even Samuel's parents cooperated with him, especially Hannah, with her prayer. Prayer is the main way we can cooperate with God to bring in his move on this earth. Perfect lead-in to where we want to begin our program today. Here is this Old Testament sister, Hannah, and unable to have any children, has a rivalry in her household with another wife of her husband, Elkanah, who was able to bear many children. Yet Elkanah loved her, but her womb had been sealed up by Jehovah. And we'll come to realize, I think, before we're through today, that he had done so because of his need and his desire. But here's Hannah's prayer, and you just mentioned her cooperation with God was really her prayer. Let's look at it in chapter 1 of 1 Samuel, verses 10 and 11. And she was bitter in soul and prayed to Jehovah and wept much. And she made a vow and said, O Jehovah of hosts, if you will indeed look upon the affliction of your female servant and remember me and not forget your female servant, but give to your female servant a male child, Then I will give him to Jehovah for all the days of his life, and no razor will come upon his head. This prayer was born out of some pretty desperate feelings in her, but it also happened to match the Lord's need at the time, didn't it? Yes, Chris, and what we see here is the Lord will work in our environment to make us desperate. And then what he needs is desperate people who cry out to him in prayer And then you can see accompanying her prayer was an absolute consecration. And this is what God needs to carry out his move. All right, let's join Winnes Lee, and then we can talk about this point some more. We come to uh, the history of Samuel. Firstly, we have to see his origin. He came out of God's economy. Before Samuel was born, God's economy was there, existing already. But the carrying out of God's economy became a question. God ordained the Levites to be the priest for the carrying out of God's economy. But the Levitical priesthood became stale. Then what should God do? God's heart desire was still there, expecting to have someone to replace the stale and winning Aaronic priesthood. Who could do this? During this time, God, in his sovereignty, arranged a kind of a marriage life between Agana and his two wives. Then God purposely let Pinana the second wife of Elkanah, to bring forth a number of children. Then Hannah was under a kind of a dealing of God's sovereignty, that God set up her own. So she couldn't have any child. And this forced her to pray desperately not just for herself, maybe 20%, but the most part of her prayer was for God. So what she did with a vow, promising God 
if God would give her a man-child, surely he would return this man-child to God by a vow. God will say hallelujah for Hannah's prayer. So right away, God opened up her womb, and she bought a child and gave him the name Samuel. This is a child asked for from God by me, Hannah. And this is also a child as God's answer to my prayer. This is the real origin of Samuel. You know, Ed, if we read this book like a a history book, like a textbook, and we had to answer a test question, who was uh, the origin of Samuel? Of course, we would say Elkanah and Hannah. Uh, But behind the scenes, uh, there really is a deeper origin to uh, this one who became such a valuable and important one in bringing forth even Christ, ultimately, wasn't there? Exactly, Chris. Samuel's origin was actually the heart of God. Yeah. God needed someone to carry out his move at that time. Chris, and we realize even through church history, there's been a lot of degradation from uh, the standard revealed in the Holy Bible. Well, at Samuel's time, the priesthood was very degraded. It was low. Oh, when you look at Eli and his sons, it's just horrible. And I like Brother Lee, he uses the word stale priesthood. And Chris, we have to be very careful as believers that we don't become stale. We need to stay fresh, living, new and young with the Lord. Mm. We need to have a fresh new contact with him every day, get some new revelation from him every day, have some new speaking from him, renew our love for him. It's a serious thing to become stale, old, and dead. And Chris is very serious. It says in 1 Samuel that the lampstand almost went out. It was very dim. And the Lord's speaking was very rare. Right. And what's amazing, Chris, I'd like to mention this, Here's this degraded situation, and what does the Lord need? He needs human cooperation. He needs the prayer of God's people. And, Chris, many times the Lord will put us into environments where he wants to make us desperate. Here's Hannah. She can't have a child. Yeah. And no doubt she's crying out to God, God, why? Why can't I have a child? Well, God wanted to make her desperate. So she cried out to God in prayer, and she says, God, if you give me a child— I will consecrate him to you. You see, so this is what the Lord wants out of us, is a desperate prayer for his move and an absolute consecration. And, Chris, I would say this. The Lord needs desperate people. Mm -hmm. You know, it's amazing, Chris, if you look at Hannah's prayer here. Mary, when she's about to bring forth Christ, she quotes Hannah's prayer here. That's right, doesn't she? Here is Hannah bringing forth Samuel. Yeah. And here is Mary bringing forth Christ, the Savior of the world. And Mary actually quotes Hannah. And one thing that she quotes Hannah as saying, Chris, I like this. She says, the hungry he has filled with good things, and the rich he has sent away empty. You see, Chris, I would just like to tell our listeners If we have an attitude of contentedness, you know, we say, well, I've been there, I've seen that, I've read that, I've done that, I've been a Christian for years, the Lord has no way to go on with us. Then we're rich. We're filled up. Uh You see what I mean? Uh He needs hungry people. We need to open our being and say, Lord, I'm hungry for you. I want you to renew me today. I want new speaking from you. I want to be in your up-to-date move on this earth. Then we become hungry for him. 
We pray to him in a desperate way. Our consecration is fresh. And then he has a way to bring forth Samuel in our being to turn the age. This is the same as to be poor in spirit and hunger and thirst after righteousness. Exactly, Chris. And it's amazing. When the Lord spoke that, the first thing he said in the constitution of the kingdom is blessed are the poor in spirit. That means we're open, we're empty, and we're ready to receive the new dispensing of Christ into our being for his move. Ed, let's look at these two desperate people. Of course, Hannah is more outstanding than Elkanah, but together as a couple, they represent ones that were not only willing to cooperate with God and enable him to move, but they were ones that will hear in this coming portion that were in the line of life, and that's where we're going in this next section. I like this topic a lot. But let's look at a couple of these verses here in verse 19 and 20. And they rose up early in the morning and worshiped before Jehovah. And they returned and came to their house in Ramah. And Elkanah knew Hannah, his wife, and Jehovah remembered her. And in due time, Hannah conceived and bore a son. And she called his name Samuel. For she said, I have asked for him of Jehovah. And that's what the word Samuel means. Isn't that marvelous? She remembered the Lord and that knew this was his answer to her prayer. All right, let's look at these two people. Regardless how stale, how waning was the Aaronic priesthood, God still had a people on this earth. The majority of the people became degraded, yet still a small number remaining there in the line of life. What is the line of life? That is to enter into the good land and to remain there and to enjoy the good land until you have some produce. Within that produce, there is a line of life. Life here means Christ, a line of Christ, a line for Christ to be brought forth. So here is a couple, Elkanah with his wife, Hannah. They were there, still remaining in this line of life, a line to bring forth Christ for God's people's enjoyment that God could have his kingdom on this earth, which is the very organism, the body of Christ. Arcanah and his wife Hannah were such a couple. They were there, still remaining in this line of life, ordained by God for his eternal purpose. I like to follow this pattern. We are here for God's purpose, remaining in the life of Christ, ordained by God for his eternal purpose. Well, Ed, he has used this phrase now, the line of life, and identified Elkanah and Hannah in this line of life, what he called the line of Christ. Talk about this, because, of course, historically, Christ was nowhere near the scene by the time of Elkanah and Hannah, but yet they were very much in principle in the line of Christ, the line of life, weren't they? Exactly, Chris. And if you look at the whole Bible, in Genesis 2, what you see is God placed man before the tree of life. And then when you come to the end of the Bible, in Revelation 22, you see the tree of life again. And so there's a line of life 
from Genesis all the way to Revelation. And we know in the New Testament that that tree of life signifies Christ, who is the embodiment of the triune God. He said in John, I am the life. Mm -hmm. And he said, I came that you may have life and may have it abundantly. Then in resurrection, he became the life-giving spirit, according to 1 Corinthians 15, 45. So the line of life is the line of Christ dispensing himself into us for our enjoyment and flowing out of us into others for the building of his temple, which is the church as the body of Christ. This is the line of life, Chris. And if we're going to be in this line of life so that Christ can be brought forth in us and out through us for the building of the church, we need to have an absolute consecration. You can see here with Hannah that, first of all, her circumstances elicited a desperation in her for her to be fully consecrated to God. And then she consecrated her son to the Lord, her first son. That's a big thing. She said, he will be yours all the days of his life. And because she was such a person, the son that she brought forth was an absolutely consecrated person. Chris, I just can never forget D.L. Moody. This one person said to him, and he heard this person say, God has yet to see what the world can do through a man who is fully consecrated to him. And D.L. Moody was a shoe salesman at that time. But he heard those words, and he says, Lord Jesus, by the Holy Spirit in me, I want to be that man. I consecrate myself fully to you. So the Lord was able to use D.L. Moody in a marvelous way, and the Lord can use each of us as little members of the body of Christ if we fully consecrated to him. So I hope that this program will elicit a consecration in our listeners. Ed, such a consecration allowed the Lord to move, to carry out his purpose at that time. And as we look at it from a bit of a distance, it may seem that Hannah was moving, Elkanah was moving, eventually Samuel was moving. But really, this was not their moving. This was God's move and God moving in them, through them, through the opening that he provided them. And that is the subject of our last segment. So let's join Witness Lee with that. We'll be back for our final comments. These couple were in cooperation with the move of God on earth at the time of Hannah. Who was moving there? Do you think only Hannah was moving? Actually, she was not moving. She was moved by the moving one. Who was the moving one? God. Behind the scene. There is a mover. And the mover is unique. The divine mover. That's God. He was secretly moving. And Hannah got moved. Her husband comforted her, saying, Why you worry so much? Don't you think I am your husband better than ten sons? Hannah said, No. I'm still quite pressed, oppressed, suppressed in my spirit. I like to have a son. Why she was so strong? God was moving. Hannah, you couldn't have any peace. Until you pray to me for a boy. Until then, I will not let you know. I will move in you. When she was praying for quite a time, Eli said, what is this? 
you must be a worthwhile woman. Drunken. What are you doing here? Don't be drunken here. This is God's house. Misunderstood by the priest who take care of the service of God's house. But she said, Lord, I'm not drunken. I am surprised in my soul. And I do have a burden in my spirit to pour out before Jehovah. Was this Hannah's move? The divine sovereign one. He moves. And he's moving. Motivates me. So I got moved. I'm not moving. I got moved. The divine sovereign one. Motivated a person who was so much one with God in the line of life. As long as he could get such person, he has a way. He has a way out on this earth. Ed, we maybe should have explained there, he makes reference to the part of the story in chapter 1 where she is so desperate. It sounds like she's just outside the door of the temple or in the temple area praying and her lips are moving, and she is so absorbed in this prayer that Eli, the priest, comes along and looks at her and believes that she must be drunk. She's been drinking because she's acting so strangely, and he accuses her of this kind of behavior. Her response is quite marvelous. She answered and said, No, my Lord, I'm a woman oppressed in spirit. I have drunk neither wine nor strong drink, but I have been pouring out my soul before Jehovah. Here's one that was not so much moving as rather was being moved by the Lord, wasn't she? Oh, Chris, I'm so glad you read that, Chris. What a precious word that is from the Bible. I have been pouring out my soul before Jehovah. You know, may the Lord grant us to be such persons. Yes. And what does that mean? That means we forget about all the religious forms and you just pour out your heart (laughs) to the Lord, your soul. You tell him your thoughts, your feelings, you open up to him. When you do this, Kristen, he has a way to infuse you with his thoughts, his feelings, and his intentions so that you become one with him. Eventually, such desperate prayer issues in God speaking to us. How does God accomplish his move? It's through our prayer, through our opening to him, through our desperation to pour out our soul to him. Then he infuses us with his speaking. God spoke to Hannah. His answer to her prayer was Samuel who was absolutely consecrated to God. And Chris, I'd just like to say this in summary. If we're going to be people in God's move, we need to be people of prayer, who converse with God, who pour out our soul before the Lord. Then we need to be persons who get God speaking every day. Yeah, We should say, Lord, speak to me. Then the third thing, Chris, I would say, always keep your consecration fresh to the Lord. Have an absolute consecration. Say, Lord, I take you as my life in person and I consecrate my person, my family, my time, my possessions, everything to you for your move. This is the way to be in God's move, and this is the way of joy. Nothing is more enjoyable or greater privilege than to be one with God for his move. You know, when you uh, carry on here and continue to read in these first pages of 1 Samuel, you come to chapter 2 where Hannah really now, some years later, she's offering Samuel at the temple as a fulfillment of her vow, and her prayer that Mary quoted, 
This is the prayer of a person who is full of joy. There is no sense of loss or sacrifice or woe is me, I'm really pouring out for God. Her heart was filled to overflowing, and the utterance is really marvelous, isn't it? Chris, that's right. In her prayer, you can see she is just enjoying the Lord. And all of our listeners, if you're listening right now, many Christians have consecrated themselves to the Lord at least once. When you do that, there's joy there. We can testify that, but we need to consecrate ourselves to him every day. Keeping it fresh. Keep our consecration fresh. Oh, Ed, it was such an enjoyment for me to have you here in the studio again. I know you're not able to come that often, but whenever you can, the door's always open. We'd love to have you come by. Thanks a lot, Chris. It's a real privilege. And I want to encourage our listeners, don't miss these broadcasts. They are very priceless. This is a priceless life study. And so we hope our listeners will be here for all of these or as many as you can. In the meantime, if you'd like to find out about getting the life study of First and Second Samuel, please call toll-free 1-888-LIFE-STUDY, 888-543-3788. Ed, we're out of time. For Ed Marks, I'm Chris Wilde. Thank you very much for listening today. You've been listening to Life Study of the Bible with Witness Lee, produced by Living Stream Ministry. Witness Lee ministered the Word of God for over seven decades. Many consider these life studies as his seminal work, an exhaustive commentary on the entire Bible from the perspective of the believer's enjoyment and experience of God's divine life in Christ through the Spirit. If you'd like to find out more about Witness Lee, these life study messages or any of the materials provided by Living Stream Ministry, please visit our website, lsm.org. That's lsm.org. You can also email us, radio at lsm.org, or call us toll-free, 1-888-LIFE-STUDY. Thanks for listening today.